Tonight we're actually going to go into the scripture and start our Bible study and then we're going to do our um, prayer and then we'll do announcements. If I go a little long it's because I'm doing it backwards and you probably bear with me. Maybe tonight's service will be good but we're starting in Genesis chapter 36. If you remember, uh, last week we spoke about Joseph. He was, he was the, um, next to the youngest of Jacob's children. Jacob was one who was being preferred above all his brothers. Of all 11 brothers, he was one who wore a robe of royalty. And the reason he wore that is because his father found favoritism in him. He loved his child. Maybe it was because he spoke tenderly to, to Joseph. Or he might have uh, sat down and spoke with him in times that his brothers would not. And he attended to his father in his old age. And now we see in chapter 37 as Joseph is um, being berated by his brothers. They even call him a fool and say, will it be you who will, who will um, rule over us? Who are you? And they would look up, up and down. And now we're going to pick up in verse number 12. As now J uh, Jacob calls Joseph to goes out, go out from the, the, the area of Hebron Valley and go up to Shechem to look for his brothers. Shechem being the place where the, the great... Uh, um, onslaught and slaughter of chapter 35 and 34 where Levi and Simeon go into this town and wipe out the whole town and taking um, as um, spoil is the, the wives and the children are left behind. They go in and just wipe them out being a, 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 a clan of mass murderer. Uh, these, these shepherds are now men of war. They go into this town and just wipe them out and then, of course, incorporate those children and made slaves out of the, the young children and now incorporate them into their own family. And then Jacob goes back into Canaan land under the power of the Holy Spirit. But we pick up in verse number 12. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are you not your brother, are you not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, and I will send you to them. And he said to him, Here am I. In verse number 13, we can see where Jacob is speaking to Joseph. And he could have said to jo Jacob, could have said to Joseph, Go get my boys, go see, go check on them. And J J Joseph could have said, no, Daddy, they don't like me. I can't go among my brothers. They, they're not ones to care for me or to be around me. If you remember early in chapter 37, Joseph was one to give reports on his older brothers, to tell of what they have been up to. And he almost kind of had like a snitch attitude, or he could have been one of a tattletale. But I'm sure that was not his intentions. It's just if you compare the, the character of Joseph to the character of his brothers, Simeon and Levi, they're one to kill you and slice you and cut you down. His older brother Reuben was one to sleep with his father's concubines. So we now can see the, the character contrast between Joseph and his brothers. And you remember we spoke about last week, if you are one to say, well, I'm the Joseph of my family. Well, you're not reading the Bible correctly. This story is not about you. It's for you, but it's not about you. This story is telling us the story of Jesus, how Joseph is the one who's betrayed by his brethren. He is the one who is one who is killed by his brethren. We hated Jesus and he was holy. He was the father's favorite. So if you relate to Joseph, you're reading the story all wrong. There are some people who say, well, Jesus hung out with sinners, so I should also. Well, if you read that, you're taking it completely out of context and you have no idea who you are in the story of the narrative. You are the sinner that Jesus is hanging out with. Man, y'all can amen me tonight. It'll be all right. I know we're Baptists and all, but come on. Now he tells his... He tells his son Joseph to go find his brothers at Shechem. Now we see Shechem here and we go, well no big deal, it's just a word on the page. But this is a 50 mile walk. 50 miles from Hebron, the valley of Hebron where he is to Shechem. To find his brothers, to honor his father. And he did it on foot to find his brothers for his father. And not only when he gets to Shechem, in verse 14, so he said to him, Go now and see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring me word. So he sent from the valley of Hebron and he came to Shechem. And he found a man, and a man found him wandering in the field. And the man asked him, What are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where are they pasturing the flock? And the man said, They've gone away. For I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. Now we see it. he goes on further to Dothan. 
That's 15 more miles. Not only did he go seek out those that hated him, a 50-mile trek. He could have got to check him and turned around, went home to daddy and said, I can't find them, daddy. I don't know what they are, and I know I'm your favorite. No, he goes beyond, goes beyond Shechem 15 more miles and hunts down his brothers. And we spoke about that last week as this is being an analogy of Jesus who leaves the 99 to find that one. And that one says, Amen. Oh man, there were some of y'all didn't hear what I just said. That one says amen. The one where Jesus leaves the 99 to find you. Amen. Where Jesus leaves all the people who have it together. Amen. And goes find the broken. Amen. Isn't it wonderful tonight we're gathered in a room full of broken people? People come to me and say, Preacher, what about this? What can I do about that? And and I'm just as broken as you are, but I know where we can go where He'll make us whole. I'm just as thirsty as you, and I'm I'm just as worn down as you, but I know where I can have joy unspeakable, strength, hope for the journey. I know where I can find light in the dark valleys. Amen, somebody. Amen. Amen, babe. Thank you for coming tonight. Amen. He's here. So we see here he goes on to Dothan. He searches them out and he finds his brother. I'm so, thank- I'm so thankful that Jesus searches out broken people because surely I did not search him out. I was looking all the wrong places. I didn't want him. I was running from him. But he chased me down and saved me. And anyone who's been saved by grace will say the same. That Jesus searched me out and saved my soul, preacher. Amen. That when I was weak and I couldn't read, my, I didn't want to read my Bible, he changed me. He reached deep into my soul. He snatched out that stony heart and he put a desire and affection for his word. He caused me to walk in peace and his statutes. His law, I meditated upon it and it was good to me like honeycomb on my tongue. His spirit is sweet. His presence, I long for it. Like the deer pants beside the water. A deer doesn't pant beside water because it's out of breath. It's thirsty and it longs for it. The righteous who are gathered here tonight, you're thirsty and you're longing for that quenching thirst that comes from the eternal fountain known as Jesus Christ. So preacher, don't give me antidotes tonight and cliches. I don't need that. I can't. That's not going to help me. Tell me that good old story about Jesus died for sinners like me. So we see the analogy. We see the shadow. We see the silhouette of Christ all through chapter 37 found in the story of Joseph. So he goes on to Dothan. So Joseph went up after his brothers and found them in verse 18. They saw him from afar before he came near to them and they conspired against him to kill him. Fifteen more miles, he sees his brothers off the horizon. Going to the mine of Joseph, 17-year-old young man, probably close to 18. No, he wasn't naive. He wasn't foolish. He had a heart for his family and his brothers. So I want you to know that because his brothers, they defended his, his, their sister, their one sister, whenever she was defiled. So they wiped out a city. So there was a, a kinsmanship between these brothers, a clanship, a blood is thicker than water. And he, he believed it. He loved his brothers. As he gets closer, can you imagine? There's my brothers. I'm so glad to see them. I've gone so far. I've gone 65 miles. I'm trying to honor my father, but there are my brothers. I can see them. I I can talk with them. And on the other side of the the track, the brothers saw, there comes the dreamer. The one who thinks he's better than us. The one who's dressed in royalty. See, what you don't understand is he wore that, that tunic. Because his father saw favoritism because Reuben fell from a place of honor within the family because he defiled his own father's concubine. He goes into his own father's marriage bed and defiles it and trying to dishonor the father. Everybody knew it in the family and it was whispered but nobody out, outspoke it, said it out loud but it was kind of like you know family secrets. Everybody knows but nobody talks about it. This, this is what was going on here. So Reuben fell from a position of honor in the family. So Reuben of course he, he probably was feeling the guilt of that and he had to carry that burden. We'll talk more about Reuben in a moment as the story develops and Reuben has a prominent place in the story. But then you have Levi and Simeon They're used to slaughtering people. They're men of sword. And then Judah was there. Judah was a man who was probably in the second place after Reuben. If Reuben fell, then he should have fell on Judah. But God, or the father, Jacob, chooses Joseph. Joseph didn't merit his honor. He just... 
He just was there to absorb. But yeah, Jacob might have made errors in saying, showing so much favoritism in the presence of the children. He could have done better and been more wise. But when you love somebody, you just can't hide it. Amen. Amen. So we see the story here. He's going and the brothers are on the other side and they conspired to kill him. As he's coming to check on their welfare, they're looking to end his welfare. I want to almost put you in the place of Joseph. My family. My brothers. I found them and I can return back to Jacob and tell them. Tell Jacob. I can tell Daddy and Benjamin who's back at home because we don't see in the story that, that Benjamin's old enough to be out in the fields with the brothers at, at Dothan. And now we see in verse 18, they conspired to kill him. In verse 19, now we see the conversation that's being held between the brothers. And they said one to another, here comes this dreamer. We read it goes over so smooth. But look at all the vile in that text. Look at this dreamer. Here he comes. The one who has visions of grandeur better than us. And he thinks he's going to rule over us. Who is he to think he can rule over us? Verse 20, come now. Let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we'll say that a fierce animal has devoured him. And we will see what will become of his dreams. Those dreams were God sent. God implanted those visions and dreams into his mind. He shared them with his brothers. But now, we'll kill him and we'll kill the dream. If we could put him in the ground, then all the divine visions and the oracles of God will go in the ground and we can divert God's plan. For those who are here tonight and you know God loves you, He has spoken over your life. The enemy wants to put you in the ground. He wants to kill you. Satan wants to ruin your marriage. He wants to do everything he can to cause your heart not to beat again. And if he can't do that, if he can't stop you, he'll get behind and push you and make you run until you burn out. And he'll do everything he can to drag you down. Amen. But we see here, God has other plans. Even though he won't be killed, it almost sounds worse to be sold into slavery. Honestly, I'd rather be killed than be thrown into slavery. This is God's plan. God, how is that possible? How do you take something that looks bad and even make it worse? Have you ever stood back and asked God that? Being honest, I have. God, I can't believe this. this is, I know that all things work towards good to those who love you. And Lord, I love you, but this does not look good. Lord, they are intending to hurt me and harm me. And Lord, you even allow it. Where are you, God? I've heard people ask, where was God on 9-11 when those towers fell? Where was God? Was He busy with things in North Korea? Was He working on the border of Canada and Mexico, making sure another diversity, and He just slipped through the cracks? No, let me assure you that He was seated on the throne and He saw all intentions of all the men. He saw the attacks on the Pentagon. He sees the economy today. He sees the intention of your heart and the imagination, the things you're thinking now. He is God and He reigns. When they asked Jesus about a disaster that had to do with the tower also, when it fell over... They said, Jesus, were these people wicked that the tower fell over? And Jesus says, you need to repent too. They were no more wicked. Things happen. People die. But you need to repent and be ready at any moment to step into eternity and see me face to face because I am the Lord of all. Amen. So now we see here Amen. that Jacob sends his son Joseph to find his brothers, to find his children and his brother. And now they're conspiring to kill him. He's walking into the lion's den and doesn't even realize it. They're even finding a way to kill him. They'll throw him in one of the pits and then they'll say that a fierce animal destroyed him. They're even making up an alibi. They're all coming together conspiring to kill this dreamer. And we'll see what becomes of his dreams. If he's God's chosen, if he's daddy's favorite, if Jacob loves him, we'll see what happens now. Whenever the devil's messing, the Lord's blessing. Verse 14... But when Reuben heard it, Reuben being the oldest, this is the chance for Reuben to show up and show out. Finally, he's been, he, here's his chance. All the other brothers would listen to Reuben. He's the oldest. He's been there the longest. He can even pull rank. 
He can thump somebody upside the head and say, listen, I'm Reuben, you're going to listen to me. But here's where Reuben drops the bomb. I mean, we could read this and say, man, Reuben, you really blew it. Reuben, you just messed up. But if there was the book of Kevin... If there was a book with your name on it and your testimony and your story was there, there'd be chapters where people read and they say, man, you really blew it there. We only see the sins of Reuben and see the sins of Jacob and those, etc., who have sinned before God because it's written out as a testimony that even in sin and in failures, God still moves in a mighty way. Here, Reuben heard it in verse 21. But when Reuben heard it, he, he rescued him out of the hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him to this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue, that Reuben might rescue him out of the hand and restore him to his father. Reuben was looking out for his brother, honestly. But he was planning on throwing him into the pit. The plan at this point, Reuben kind of changes the story and the narrative with his brothers. He says, don't shed him, don't kill him with your hands and put blood and carry that guilt. Throw him in this pit and let him starve to death. And eventually, Reuben would sneak around and pull his brother out and restore him back to his father. Seems like a good plan, but Reuben was saying, take the lesser of two evils. Let's throw him in this pit for now. Don't kill him with your bare hands. Let him starve to death. It's called the lesser of two evils. Many people have heard about it. Especially around election time. They say, well, don't vote for that person. Vote for this one. They're the lesser of two evils. Well, Christian, anytime you only choose between two evils, you're still choosing evil. Amen. Don't choose evil. Go the way of righteousness every time. Reuben... Reuben could have stood up and stood on righteousness and did the right thing, protecting his family and causing harmony across the board. But no, he feeds into his brother's plans, allowing them a chance to, to be satisfied with the blood of his own brother. Yeah, but his intentions. Well, sometimes we do the bad thing, but we got good intentions. No, that's not the way it works. The ends justify the means, preacher. I go rob a bank and pay my tithes. Does that make sense? No, no. Honor God in private as well as public. Reuben had a, a, a character flaw. It was worse than a character flaw. He had sin. In private, he slept with Billah, who was Jacob's concubine. We see he had no character in private. And in, in the public, he could not stand on righteousness because his private time was not holy. Men, you cannot be in the public square and be holy when you're not holy in private. Preachers fall in public long before they fall in private, long before they fall in public. Amen. Marriages, when it comes out and everybody hears about it, they broke up long before anybody ever knew. People fall out of repentance. They don't fall out of love. Husbands stop repenting of their sins to their wives and say, this is my flaws. I, I'm sorry I'm so angry. I'm sorry I'm bitter. I, I'm sorry. And they stop repenting to God and stop praying to God and stop treating the wife as a weaker vessel to honor her. They do that long before anybody ever knows. That's why we preach holiness here at Riverside. No, it ain't fun to preach because I'm held to the same standards. I'm not sitting on the Pope mobile looking down on everybody saying, you need to do this and that. I'm speaking to me too. That I need to walk in righteousness. To study His Word. To fall in love with grace and mercy. That I don't entertain the very things that put my Savior on the cross. That I turn my face away from the things of this world. That all that shines and tries to pull at me nag at me and drag me down and keep my eyes on the cross. Reuben fell privately and now he could not stand publicly. He couldn't, he couldn't defend his brother. Actually, Reuben was looking out for himself. If he were to go back and tell his father, hey, I saved Joseph from the hands of my own brothers, he might have fell back in favor with Jacob. So he was selfish even in his good works. Now, I want to say something, and maybe it doesn't apply to you, but people do good things sometimes to get what they can get out of it. 
Sometimes people will write a check for ministry and they want to let everybody know, I'm giving this and make sure you announce that I gave that. Because our own deceitful hearts. Here, Reuben was going to rescue Joseph. So he will fall in good favor with his father once again. I'm thankful tonight that even if I were to do good works and I get proud about them, that Jesus still forgives me. Amen. I've preached before, repent of your good works. Well, people think their good works will get them into heaven. Well, they believe that their accomplishments and all their ministry will cause God to be guilt-tripped into letting you enter into those pearly gates. Let me assure you, our righteousness are filthy rags. Reuben here, his good works, that would not get him to heaven. Did you know alcoholics go to hell? Did you know people who never drink go to hell? Did you know liars go to hell? People who don't lie go to hell. Did you know people who attend church regularly go to hell and people who never go to church go to hell? Did you know thieves go to hell and people who've never stolen or not stolen in a long time or reformed can still go to hell? The reason being, those things aren't what makes you a Christian. Jesus is what makes you a Christian. And when He makes you a Christian, you're made in His image. You don't steal. You don't lie. You don't, you're not a thief. You're, you're, you're not a Sabbath breaker. You're not a, a murderer of heart and unforgiving. And Reuben had a certain sin and it was himself or he promoted himself and he clawed at being the favored one again. He envied his brother because he, even in his good works, he was hoping to fall back in favor with Jacob and he was going to do it at expense of his own brothers, throwing them under the bus. But always Christian when you have to choose the lesser of two evils. Don't choose evil a single time. Even if it's uncomfortable. Even if it's not popular. Never choose evil. Choose righteousness. Jacob should have stood and said, uh, protect my brother. He's our blood, our flesh and blood. But he did not. It's always easy to read somebody else's story and say, this is what they should do until we're in that situation. What will you do Thursday? What will you say? How will you compromise? How will you sell out Jesus? Shed no blood in verse 22. Throw him into the pit in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him that he might come and rescue him and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. We can read 23 so fast and just gleam over it. But hear the cries of Joseph in this very verse. Reuben, Judah, what are you doing? Simeon, Levi, why, what are you doing? You're, you're my brother. What would daddy think? What are you doing to me? You're hurting me. As they ripped this robe off their own brother. Own flesh and blood. Amen. Maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, how could they do that? Well, we can say it because we're on the, we, we got the, the ability to look back at 2020. We know how the story ends. We can see what happens here. But I want you to be in the moment where they ripped the robe off this young man. Can you imagine the betrayal? That Joseph feels. These are his brothers. He's known them their entire lives. They've, they've played together in the dirt. and They, they ran beside the lambs, the goats, and the donkeys. They, they, they sat at the same table with Jacob and ate together as a family. They might have even gone to church together. They prayed together at the same places where Jacob uh, erected a monument and said, this is the house of the Lord. They sat at the feet of their own, their, 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 the same housemaids and the same mothers and the, they, their family family how could you do this to me the reality of it all hasn't hit him yet he thinks maybe they're they're razzing him or hazing him maybe messing with him but they he didn't hear the the conversation before he got there that they wanted to kill him but Reuben diverted their anger and their envy their their pride envy and pride and when it gets his root it will dig deep into your soul and twist its finger into you. And it will ruin you until you want to see somebody die. And that's what's happened here. If Joseph could have heard their conversations, I'm sure he would have turned around and knew just because they shared his DNA don't mean they loved him. 
here. Joseph is now at the mercy of some merciless men. They throw him in a pit. They rip his honor off of him. The thing that his father adorned him with and said, He's my beloved. They ripped it off. Can you hear the hearts and the grins? Can you hear the snarls and the laughing of the wicked brothers as they tore the, the beautiful ornaments off of him? The things that made him special. His father said, This is my beloved. And they ripped his garments off. I can hear them. Because I was basically there when they ripped the garment off of Jesus. Away with you, you holy one. Away with you, brother. The Son of God, away from you. Uh, you got to die. Away. I hope you don't relate to Joseph tonight. I hope you relate to the grins, the grinding of the teeth of the wicked brothers because that's what we are. And we deserve no grace, no mercy because we gave none. Here, Joseph, in the middle of this verse, he was stripped of his robe of many colors that he wore. We read in Hebrews that Jesus derobed himself of divine glory. And you know how we go through these rooms, and I don't know how the ladies do because I'm over here in the men, but the, some of the men take the towel and they tie it around their waist, and when they get down on their knees, they wipe the feet of their brothers. That's the story of Jesus. He derobed himself. And wash the feet of those who will betray Him. Because that's how Jesus, Jesus forgives. And they derobed jo Joseph here. And one day, Joseph's going to face them face to face. And he's going to have to decide, is he going to forgive them? And yesterday when I betrayed Jesus and I sinned. And the day before that, and the day before that. When I blatantly sinned, I knew to do better. And I would say, well, it's the lesser of two evils. And I still chose evil. He still looks at me and shows me grace. Just like Joseph will show his brother's grace here. Amen. Even though this is wicked. It's almost uncalculable. I can't even understand. But I, actually I can because of the depravity is in my heart. I know what it's like to betray Jesus. I know what it's like to sell him out. But I also know what it's like to be forgiven. Amen. Here, they strip him of his robe. Many colors in verse 24, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The intention in verse 24 is to let him starve to death. He ain't even worth for me cutting his throat. He's not worth for me beating him. I don't want to bruise up my knuckles. I don't like the guy. I hope he rots in the bottom of that pit. In verse 24, they threw him into the pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. Can you hear the cries of Joseph? Now, I know we don't say it, but Joseph is not laying at the bottom of that pit. Oh, all right, guys, this is not funny anymore. It's cold down here and I'm thirsty. Look, if you get me out of here, I won't say anything to Jacob. Look, we just let bygones be got bygones. We're family. Reuben, you taught me how to ride the bike. I mean, come on. Simeon, we used to play tic-tac-toe together. You, you taught me how to play chess. I don't understand. What are you guys doing? All long into the night. Alright guys, quit messing around. As night falls, the day's work is ending and we see in verse 25, they sat down to eat. All the brothers gather around. It's time to nourish their bodies within earshot of their own brother who's laying in a pit, crying and weeping. He might have gotten bruised or hurt during his tussle. I don't know. But they threw him into a pit. It doesn't say there was pillows at the bottoms with puppies. It says that he hit the pit. He, was in the, he fell far enough where he could not climb out. It was pretty deep. So I don't know if he was injured or hurt, but he probably whimpered. 17 years old. But they sat down to eat within earshot. Talk about cold-blooded. But one day, they'll see him face to face. Cold-blooded is when somebody needs you and you don't help them. Like when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and He was weeping, drops of blood, praying for the very people who were so comfortable for a full belly and they fell asleep and He comes back and three times He says, Can you not stay awake with me one hour? Cold-blooded! 
Cold blood is when we walk out the church here on this Wednesday night, tomorrow find ways to betray Him yet again, to ignore His call, ignore His walking with us, to try to run ahead of Him because He's too holy and He's stifling your style. Cold blooded. Because that's how we are. They sat down to eat. And lo and behold, verse 25, they sat down to eat and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilgal. And their camels bearing gum, balm, myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. These Ishmaelites were related to, to Abraham from Midian and Kutra. They were children that intermarried right within that region. And now they were on their way. About about 75 to 100 mile trek, they will be going to Egypt here. Could have been 150 miles if you add up where the, where the original trek was from. And then Judah, verse 26, Judah says to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Now, if you read just the beginning part of 26, it almost sounds like Judah is the only one making sense here. Man, there's no profit in this sin that we're going to do. Guys, you hear him over there in the pit. He's whimpering. He's 17. I know he's father's favorite. I know. What profit is there in this? I'm sure the ears perked up of the brothers, and they know that Judas probably got a, uh, he's probably got some kind of plan he's concocted. In verse 27, Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. You see in verse 27, his own convictions, his own conscience is gripping him by the throat. Could it be he hears his, hears his brother? Could he think about his father? He, could he think about his mother? Could he think about his family and the dynamics? How it will affect them forever? And he says, he's our own blood. Let's don't kill him, he's our own blood. And his brothers listened to him. Judah, he could have swayed his brothers to let him go because it says they listened. The younger were always following the older. Reuben could have swayed him. But now we don't know if Reuben... I'm, I'm speculating that Reuben was not there because later Reuben will come back and he will be uh, tormented because of this decision. But we see the story here that Judah wants to sell his own brother into slavery. This is around 1897 B.C. where our Joseph of the story, he's being sold into slavery. But 2,000 years later, 2,030 years later, just like Judah, a Judas will sell his friend Jesus. He would give up pieces of silver, precious metal for the Son of God. Judah sells his brother. Judah does too. Judas and Judah, almost exactly the same name as we see the foreshadowing of the story of Christ. But have you ever played the part of Judah or even Judas? Where you were bought because everyone has a price. And believe me, your price is a lot lower than you think it is. Where you sell out Jesus for some endorphins, some comfort, some pleasure. Thou shalt not is not... A fence to keep you from fun, from a good time. Those fences are there to keep you guarded, to guard the marriage bed, to guard your heart, to keep your peace. How many times have you sent away your peace? How many times have you tossed your holiness to the sky and scattered it to the wind because that gossip was just so juicy you could not just hold on to it or strike down the person who was telling you that rumor. It was so good you had to sink your teeth in it and regurgitate that filth to somebody else. How many times did you have to long and lust? How many times did you hold back unforgiveness that you should have gave? How many times did you count the silver and say, I'm counting the cost, Jesus, and I'm thinking you're worth about this much or this night of fun or this, or this, uh, this imagination or conjuring up in my heart and in my mind. Jesus, I'd I, I rather have this than you. Believe me, Christian, whenever you sin, what you do is say, Jesus, this is better than you. Jesus, this is way more fun. This will give me peace, but you will not. 
I would find contentment here, but you won't give me none every time you sin, Christian. So I want sin to be atrocious to you. I want it to be vile to you. I want you to hate it. Because sin looks at you with its forked tongue and says, I'll never lie to you. I won't leave you. You're not done with me. You can't walk away from me. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> sin with its forked tongue likes to slither around you and curl up around you and squeeze you until every ounce of soul is gone. Like John Owen says, be killing sin or it'll be killing you. The story goes on. As they're getting ready to sail Joseph. You can almost step back off the chapter. I know we're really into the chapter, but let's step back for a minute and say, God, where are you? Do you see this horrible thing? They're going to sell this young man into slavery. Their own flesh and blood. Their brother is selling him into slavery. Their hearts are wicked. They wanted to kill him. God, where are you? I'm going to step back into the story. And his brothers listened to him. In verse 28, the Midianite traders passed by and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit. In verse 28, can you hear the laughter of Joseph as they're pulling out? <laughs> okay, guys, that was funny. <laughs> that was fun. I, all right, I won't tell Dad or nothing. Dad, it was okay. Just, just don't do that no more. You really hurt me when you threw me down there. My, my hips bother me. And they drew him up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites. Can you hear the chains clinking on his wrist? Because he is now a piece of property. I don't know who got the money. I don't know if it was Judah. I don't know if it was uh, Levi or Simeon or uh, Zebulun. I don't know who got it. I don't know. But as they walked home, that jingle in their pocket, I'm sure it gave them peace. Amen. I'm sure they felt good knowing that they had sold their brother. Preacher, man, what's wrong with you tonight? You're making me feel bad. I sure hope when you stay home Sunday because it was rainy or it's sunny or you couldn't get a good tea time until the time of church. Or I'm sure when you stay in that lazy boy that it gives you all the peace of mind you've ever wanted. I'm sure that alcohol that you're chugging down will wash away all your sins. That ching, 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 ching when you're on a job where it causes you to work on Sunday. when You, wouldn't, you don't have to, but you do to get the extra hours. And it does not cause you to be holy. Preacher, are you saying that I can't work? No, if it causes you to be holy, you go do it. If I can't watch this TV show and not be holy, then I shouldn't be watching it. If I can't have this conversation with these people and not, and not let it take away from my purity, then I'll have the conversation because it will make me more like Jesus. And certainly, as Judah or whoever's walking home, as their, their pockets are swinging from that heavy change and that little piece of metal that they sold their brother into slavery for, I'm sure it gave them peace beyond understanding. Amen. I ain't picking on nobody. I'm preaching to me too, okay? If Buddha's God, go serve Him. If the stock market's God, go serve it. If you are God, let everybody serve you and you live to where you live where all your dreams come true and live full contentment. But if there's a God in heaven and if His name is Jesus, if He's part of the three-person trinity, if He reigns forevermore and He shows grace and if He died for sinners, serve Him. Amen. So now, Amen. we see them... Putting the chains on Joseph for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Joseph walking 50 to 150 miles, walking now to Egypt. He wanted to go seek for his brothers to find them. And they sold him into slavery. Can you imagine what's going through the thoughts of this young man? I don't understand that this joke has gone too far. The newness was still on. The chains were just brand new on his wrist as he walked beside the camel and the other baggage and the other slaves. I'm sure those neck irons were heavy, but he walked for a good month to get to Egypt. And in 30 days, he had to wake up every day in slavery. 
weeping, longing to see Jacob's face, to wonder how Benjamin is doing, to wonder why his brothers would betray him in such a way. And he had to work through that. I'm not telling you tonight to, to put you in the place of Joseph. I'm telling you what's going through the mind of this young man because what was going through the mind of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was sweating and pleading and crying tears of blood. The Bible tells us, he says, not my will but your will be done, Lord. I know what Kevin will do. I know every word he'll ever say. I know his failings and his accomplishments. I know his, his moments where he'll stand on the mountain and scream for victory. And I know when he's in the pit, I know all that. I see his life is laid out before me. And I will die for that. So for everything you entertain, everything you live for, everything you applaud and everything you laugh at, make sure it's worth Jesus dying for. Amen, somebody. I'll amen myself. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Here, for 20 shekels of silver, they take Joseph to Egypt. I, I, I can't, I'm not going to dive deeper in this, but I want you to think about this young man and the betrayal, but also the betrayal of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In verse 29, Then Reuben returned to the pit, and he saw that Joseph was not in the pit. He tore his clothes. He, what is Joseph? What did you guys do with him? He rips his clothes as a sign of mourning. It's like wearing black. That's why we wear black, black clothing at funerals. We wear them to show mourning. It's, it's a sign of mourning. He rips his clothes. And he, but that's another scripture in the verse where Jesus, um, God tells us to rend our hearts and not our garments. He was telling, don't walk around like Johnny Cash wearing black all the time, feeling somber and sad, but show blackness of your heart. Mourn within your heart for your sins. Don't let it be an outward thing. Here, Reuben is showing outward remorse because his brother's missing. And now he turns to his brothers in verse 30. He returned to his brothers and said, the boy is gone. And this is how you know in verse 30 that Reuben was for himself. He doesn't care about Joseph. You can see it in verse 30. You, it's, it's like sirens. If you read over it really quick, you'll miss it. But we're going to slow down and I'll show you. Yes, you can see what people do. No, you hear what they say, but you, you see what they do. And it always gives them away. Here, Reuben says something and he slips up and he shows his heart. Whenever you speak, all you're doing is revealing your heart. It's like a parade. What's in your heart will roll out of your mouth. So those who struggle controlling your tongue, it's called sanctification, pursuing holiness and righteousness. If you're one like me, you're sharp-tongued, and you can say something very quick, slow down. Think about what you say. Run it through the filter of what God's Word says. Ephesians 4, 29. Let everything you say be uplifting, holy, and righteous before God. Here, Reuben says to his brothers, the boy is gone. And he says, where shall I go? Now what's going on with him? What would you do with my brother? He says, what am I going to do now? Father will be upset with me. He could care less about Joseph. Joseph was he's going to be his gravy train. He's going to get back in good favor with Jacob. But now he says, where will I go? What will I do? Reuben showed no character. He showed no outstandingness. He showed nothing worth redeeming at all. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean Joseph later wouldn't redeem him and save his family from a famine. I don't know about y'all and I'm going to be honest. I relate to Reuben. I relate to Levi and Simeon. I relate to wicked people. I just do. If you're sitting here tonight saying, I don't brother, glory to God. What is other churches down the road where everybody's righteous? You can go there. But here, this is an assembly of sinners who are dirty and you realize it and you know it and it bears on your conscience. But no, as big as a sinner as we are, He's a bigger Savior. He's a Redeemer. He washes those who are stained to the soul. He loves those with character flaws. He loves those who love sin. He redeems and saves he restores. He regenerates. He receives us. It's not that you receive Jesus. It's that He receives you. Amen, somebody. Here, 
even though Reuben's all this, he, he's all messed up. He wants to find favor. He was going to use him as, as, as a scapegoat. He goes along with the story now that Judah came up with and the other brothers at the beginning of the chapter. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it up. I went too far. Go back to 30. And they returned to the brothers and said, The boy is gone. Where shall I go? And in verse 31, they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. So the goat dies to cover the offense. They spilled the blood of a goat here. Well, I hope you guys understand. And about 2,030 years later, a goat's blood won't be spilled but a lamb's. Even though this story, the goat's blood was spilled to hide the the selling of slavery of a brother. <laughs> Let me hold it together here. There'll be a lamb over here on this side. His blood will be spilled to cover my sins. Amen. They'll cover my adulterous heart, cover my covetous eyes and my pride, my self-righteousness. The blood of this goat covered the murderous intention of brothers. The blood over here will cover my sins and yours. Amen. Amen. The blood will wash away my sins. Right. This blood over here of the goat only covered this sin. They'll bring this little jacket that's torn and give it to Jacob. And Jacob will see this beautiful robe and he'll weep. He'll see the blood and think it's Joseph's blood. But over here, at the mercy seat in the throne room of heaven, the blood was sprinkled. And all my offenses, all my offenses that I've done against God in heaven were washed away. All my sins. No, you're not hearing me tonight. All the things that I've done and will do were clean and washed away. I was justified, sanctified, set in right standing with God. The cornerstone of my salvation I now stand on. Yes. That author and the finisher. No, it wasn't written with a pen. It wasn't even written in a chisel. It was written with the blood of Jesus. And my name was written in the Lamb's book of life. And He wrote it there. And He keeps me. He preserves me. He walks with me. And He talks with me. Even days when I go through the valley, He's there with me. When I'm in the pit, He climbs down in the pit with me. He sits with me. He carries me. He leads me. He's my forerunner. He's the one behind me. And His hand is on me. Praise yeah. God. Right. So that blood that covered the goat over here that covered that murder. I can't tell you how many murders I've committed in my heart where I didn't forgive people. I can't tell you, I can't tell you how many atrocious sins that I have committed against the Holy God and even my own family, my own brothers, my own wife, my own children. To be honest, preacher, you're a bad person. I know I'm far worse than you could ever imagine. But it's grace, grace, wonderful grace that has saved me and redeemed me. Preacher, you preach so much about grace because I need it. I need it. I need a desire. I want it. If He doesn't save me, if He doesn't redeem me, it's not because I, I can't earn it. Right. He lavishes it upon me. Amen. And a Jesus like that, I can't be quiet about. A Jesus like that, I can't stand behind a podium and give you a book report. I can't sit in here and give you Greek words and break it down and it be dry. I can't. He's a good Savior. He's a Redeemer. I betray Him. Every day I give Him reasons to send me straight to hell. But every day... He lavishes me with grace. Hallelujah. Amen. So that goat, his blood was spilled to cover that offense. But there'll be a lamb. There'll be a lamb even coming out of this whole situation that will rise up from this family that will lead into a nation and will cause one to rise up from the root of Jesse. And his name is Jesus. It's a prophecy. Out of the stump that is dead, Jesus will rise up and He will cause those who are not holy and righteous to seek Him.
He will cause those who have mental issues and fog here who can't think clearly. He will call them and they will hear. He will call the ones who are limping, who can't run after Him. He'll slow down and He'll even catch you and carry you in His arms. He will call you, those who can't see because the valley is dark. He will light the way. He will give you peace beyond understanding in the midst of the war. His name is Jesus. Amen. So now... Looking back, we can see the good, good news in the story, but Joseph is in the middle of the story. In verse 33, no, verse 32, and they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Please identify whether it's your son's robe or not. I don't know if they handed him the robe and he can hear the chinging from the Ishmaelites, but Jacob, who was a deceiver to his own father, is now being deceived. Congregation, I want you to understand that sin is heretical. We get it from our forefathers and our parents. I don't mean that your parents are the devil. I know. I mean Adam and Eve fell, and we're all fallen because of what Adam and Eve done. So it's hereditary sin. It's passed on. And some families have a hereditary gene of sin. Some families are predispositioned to alcoholism, whores, sleeping around, lying, shacking up. Oh, you can imagine. Sometimes you can look at a family and say, that whole family, that's their issue. That's what they do. Amen. But here we see that Jacob, who, be who betrayed his own father, who swindled him, now is being swindled by his own sons. How you like that, Jacob? Basically, Jesus says, treat those how you want them to treat you. You don't understand. My kids are wild. My parents are wild. My families, you don't understand. They need to be treated that way. They deserve it, yes. We all deserve wrath, but He shows us grace. Even if they treat you bad, show grace. Oh, that's easy to say here, but you'll get your opportunity tomorrow. You might even get it before the night's over. Show grace. Amen. You're probably giving it tonight because I know I ain't preaching worth of nothing, but show grace and nod your head out like it's good anyway, but it's alright. We see here that now they give their father their son's robe. In verse 33, he identified and said, This is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without a doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put on sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. Jacob falls into a spiral of depression. It's just many days. I don't know how long. It could have been a, a month, a couple of months. He was mourning for his son. He was weeping. But you know what? What's so bad about this is all his sons were around him, seeing him mourning, and they didn't do anything. They saw the tears of their father. Just one could have stuck up and said, No, no, Daddy, he's in Egypt. We betrayed you and him. He's alive. At least he would know he was alive. The chances of finding him in a slave trade were next to none, but at least he'll know he's alive. But here Jacob is weeping, cold-hearted, stone-cold. But I'm sure, I'm sure... There's just as many deceitful people here tonight who have done things that are cold-hearted because there's a preacher who has. I've done wicked things and I ain't proud of them. But Jesus saves wicked people because that's all there are. And He says, and His sons and all His daughters rose up to comfort Him, but He refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol or the grave. My son mourning. Sheol is a Hebrew word that means grave. That means he will spend the rest of his days in mourning. He will long to see his son. He will weep. Meanwhile, in Egypt, 36, the Midianites sold him to Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. And when Moses leaves us off there and he'll pick up in chapter 38, with that being said, we see now, almost like going over a cliff, the glimmer of who Joseph is is almost like it flickers. That Joseph is gone now. We'll never hear from Joseph again. But God had different plans. Thank God that He has things in control. That our manipulation, we see the manipulation and the wickedness of the brothers, even though they intended it for evil, God still worked it out. There might have been people who've done you wrong, did wicked towards you, but God will work it out. 
Have faith in what He says. Trust in Him. <laughs>